Highway Pinball, The Aftermath. Spooky Pinball announces second Scott Denisi game. Stern Pinball lures Doug Score from Chicago Gaming. Hi, my name is Jonathan Houston. And I'm Martin Ayub. And welcome to the Pinball Magazine and Pinball News audio podcast. And what a, an exciting time it's been over the past month, Jonathan. It has certainly been. You've been to um, Golden State Pinball Show? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, the very first ever Golden State Pinball Festival, um, which uh, took place in the um, town, I don't know if it's town or city, I'm never quite sure in, in American terms. Things seem to be a city when they're quite small. But the, uh, let's call it, whichever it is, it's in the uh, in the place called Lodi, which is in Northern California, south of Sacramento, north of um, San Francisco, and in the wine region. And um, it's kind of, I have to be very careful how I phrase this, it's a kind of continuation of um, the Pinagogo shows from the last few years, which have been run by the Northern Californian Pinball Association. They wanted to expand that show, have more games, have more vendors, and um, bring in some educational value to it as well. So they moved it up to Lodi, to the um, Great Festival um, showgrounds there, and uh, it was a it was an amazing place. They invited me to come over, and I was uh, I was privileged to be there as part of the first show. And uh, although I spent most of my time in the Pinball University Hall doing the audio and video for them and recording it and putting on Pinball News and making sure that they got um, everybody mic'd up and uh, they got their presentations working properly, working with Ron Chan on that. Um, the whole thing was a very nice, laid-back, relaxed, um, generally enjoyable three days of pinball without a huge amount of pressure. You know, like some of these shows that you go to they have you know really intense tournaments where you've got to spend like three days queuing up in line just to do your qualifying it's not at all like that at that show you can just play in the pin golf the only tournament they have there really and and although it's you no know, it's very competitive it's it's much more friendly and inviting and inclusive and the whole thing was just you know you can turn up at any time do whatever you want Play some games, buy some parts, go off, to, go to a barbecue, go off to the nearby wine festival. They had a Zinfest event taking place, and there was they even had um, buses running from just outside the gates to the Zinfest festival. If you wanted to go to that, it was all laid on for you. You can come back, play some more pinball, and you know it was just um, nice, chilling, and the weather was wonderful as well. So it was um, overall. A really, really great event, and um, and some nice side events there with um, the Steve Charland Award going to Cliffy, um, a well-deserved award, which sort of um, brings the the, the, very, the very spirit of the the Pinagogo and the the Californian vibe of uh, of a pinball show. Which is very different to to other other parts of the country and other parts of the world, to that event. And um, so, um, congratulations to Cliffy on, on getting that award, um, very well deserved. 
And uh, the whole thing was really exciting, really, really great to see how they've moved on from to taking an existing show, which is very successful and everybody loved and making it just a little bit extra special. So that was that was my enjoyment at the beginning of May um, in, in Lodi, Northern California. Okay, and uh, as always, you put up a great report on uh, pinballnews.com with all the seminars and stuff like that. So it's highly recommended for people to take a look over there to see what they missed out on if they weren't there or to check the seminars if you missed them anyway. Well, thanks very much. And I should also add that um, although I've got the audio recordings on there, um, very shortly I think um, Ron is working to bring you all the uh, actual videos of all the seminars as well, so you'll be able to get those. I've, I recorded the audio in high quality and I've passed all that over to Ron so he can he can sync the video and the audio together and get a, a full production together and put it on, on, the, on the, uh, the Golden State People Festival YouTube channel. Okay, excellent. So, aside from you uh, visiting the Golden State, um, let's pack, pick up where we basically left the last time we did this, um, which was the um, announced liquidation of Highway Pinball, and you were about to interview Andrew Highway. That's correct, yeah. Uh, well, I couldn't um, say too much about it in the, in the last podcast, because although I got the answers back from from Andrew from some of the questions I'd asked him I still had further follow-up questions and I hadn't quite um, fully formed the the way the the article was going to be published Um, it was yeah it was an interesting event I think Um, let's put it that way Um, I went on to Pinside which is one of the one of the um, first times I'd gone on to Pinside and I asked people for what uh, people who were who were owed money or had some investment uh, interest in in alien games? What they would like to ask Andrew were they in the position of being able to do that? And uh, as is Pinside, you get a, a reasonable amount of noise back, um, but also some interesting questions there as well. Some points I want I wanted to incorporate into my questions I asked Andrew, and um. That's exactly what I did. Um, I, I added those to the ones I had, and I think at the end of it, people were pretty much unanimous that it was a very worthwhile interview. You can choose to believe or not believe whatever it, whatever you like, but it came back as a robust, should I say, interview, um, not in any way or form a, a sort of softball one. Uh, which a lot of people were expecting it to be. I know, I know. I've I've been to Andrew's place. I've stayed at his house a few times. You know, we we get on very well. I've run tournaments at his place. Um, we have a we have a good working relationship over the years. We've shared hotel rooms when we you know at Expo. Oh my God, you were years. almost married. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a, let's not go that far. But yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah, um, and and. It was it was difficult for me to ask him questions in the way that I felt they needed to be asked, but I put it to him right from the very start. I said, "Look, there's got to be a, a very robust and without being an aggressive into it. It's got to be. It can't can't skirt any of the points which which I have to ask." And he was absolutely on board about that. He understood that there would be no credibility to it whatsoever if I didn't ask those questions. Right and get. 
responses which you know, uh, which which merit consideration. So um, I didn't like the format of having to write the answers down to him. I wanted to do it as a live interview, but given the situation, I think that was the best way of doing it. But it didn't stop me having to, being able to come back to him at various points and say, but what about um, what you just said there? And so what you're saying is, and to clarify various points, to make sure that um, it was absolutely clear what he was saying. Right. So, well, I definitely agree. Um, the interview is definitely a worthwhile read. Um, there were a couple of um, answers that Andrew gave where I felt he was still ducking, um, especially when it came to um, ex-employees who reported on stuff on This Week in Pinball or on Pinside. And then basically he would say, like, well, they're ex-employees for a reason. Well, the reason was they thought he was an idiot and they couldn't handle working for him anymore, so they left. Well, yes, it's. Uh, uh, I didn't want to get into a sort of slangy match between the two of them and say, well, X says this and Y says that, but you say Z, and, you know, it would, it would just never, never end, basically. Right. You know, the, people are allowed to have a difference of opinion, you know, if, if somebody says, well, you shouldn't have done this, and somebody says, well, you should have done this, and he says, well, I, what I actually did was this, you know, it, there's no squaring of the circle in, in, that, in that case. You know, there are differences of opinions. At the end of the day, he was in charge of the company. He was in charge of the finances, and at some point or other, he had to say, he had to make a decision. Right. That's exactly what's going to happen, and be it right or wrong, that was, that was what he did, and that was what I was asking him questions about. Right, okay. So, and then days later, after you published the interview, you also got the financial report on the liquidation of Highway Pinball, which is very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, there was a letter sent out to all the creditors um, with a, a rather large notice at the top saying, do not publish. Um, but I thought it was sufficiently in the public interest that it should have been published. And it actually probably would be largely published anyway in terms of the filings that needed to be made for legal reasons to Companies House in the UK, which is the which is the organisation which which deals with uh, the the financial statements and standings of various companies. So they they publish their annual report. That should go to Companies House and be made publicly available. If they go into liquidation, if they go into administration, they go into cease trading, all that stuff has to be reported through the same pub, uh, company's house website. So I thought, well, most of this is going to be available publicly anyway. And the only thing I did was I made sure that everybody who was individually listed on there as a creditor, um, the people who had paid money and not received their own games and were listed in the documents with their name and their address i took that out or i obfuscated it and you know, blurred it so people couldn't see who that was i thought those people deserved that anonymity right. but not the companies you know people like coin taker and nitro you know they 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 are businesses so that's slightly different i i felt um and i didn't get any any kickback on that nobody said you shouldn't have shown that but um, apart from that, the rest of it was exactly as it was sent out to everybody who was registered as a creditor, and I thought that was a major part of the story as well and needed to be made public. Right. 
Okay. Um, so. And of course, of course, the result was that um, there are there are no assets, um, and there are severe liabilities, um, or and that uh, the the Pinball Brothers Company um, were in receipt of a a number of the assets of the company before they went into liquidation. Right. And um, I can't really comment on that because I, um, um, well, we'll see how that pans out in the future. I mean, there, there, I hear rumors that they're still in contact with people and trying to um, to get them their money. So let's just hope for the best. And um, I'm not sure whether we can round up Highway Pinball for now. The good news is that um, for those that have an alien game, and although it's not that many, um, uh, Helmut uh, Langenbroeg, uh, one of the programmers, actually finished the uh, final code for the game. And anybody interested in updating that game to the latest game, uh, game code should contact him so that they have at least a finished coded game. Yes, I think that's version 1.2 of the game, and I think what's actually interesting there is that it, uh, prior to this happening, Pinball Brothers, when they'd started up, had re had registered a website, pinballbrothers.com, um, but there was nothing on it, and it, it, you know, when you went there, there was there was no index page, there was basically nothing. Um, well, when Helmut announced version 1.2 of the code, he announced it was available on pinballbrothers.com. So, uh, and it, it, he was required, although he said he, he was very, very clear he wasn't working for Pinball Brothers, he said it was very clear that it had to be on the Pinball Brothers website. As they, he didn't say this, but I'm guessing that they are the owners of the alien pinball license and therefore the only ones who can release all the assets, you know, all the samples and the video clips that are related to the Alien movies, Right, they're the only ones who are legally allowed to distribute that. Nobody can put that out themselves. Um, so it, it, it went the kind of legal route, even though he's not working for them directly. So if you want to get this, I guess you go to the Pimble Brothers website, pimblebrothers.com right. website. Okay. Um, anything else on highway, or can we close the coffin on the casket? Uh, um, I'm sure it's. I'm sure we'll we'll hear more on that um, to come. But at the moment, there's there's no impending news. There's no court cases going on. There's no legal action, as far as I'm aware. But on the other hand, there's still Pimble Brothers as a company who are, you know, who have alien machines and are looking to sell them and have a website with the code on. So maybe there'll be more going on there. I don't know. Um, but, but for now, I think, yes, you're right. You're right. We should sort of draw a line under that for the moment. Right. Okay. Um, then let's move on with some um, more positive news. Um, let's address Stern Pinball. Yeah, Stern have been very busy. Over the past few weeks, right, um, with a number of game codes, uh, upgrades um, for Star Wars, Batman, 
uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and, and Iron indeed Iron Maiden, which is getting very, very close to a release version. I mean, the way Star, uh, Stern seemed to um, number their their code versions is that version 1.0.0 is a release version. Right. In that it's got everything in there, although it may not be as polished and as finished as they would like, uh, but it is, uh, they would be happy, well, happy, they would be content to walk away from the game at version 1.0.0 and say it's done. Right. And, and anything after that is, you know, polish, nice to have, but not absolutely essential. So Star Wars, um, which was the first one we mentioned, was a, uh, reached version 1.00 a while ago. Batman is still not at version 1.0.0 yet. Uh, 0.92. Getting closer all the time. Right. Guardians of the Galaxy, I forget exactly how close that is, but it's not... Oh, it says 1.00, yes. Is it? Oh, it yes. is. Okay, it has, has made it. And Iron Maiden being the latest release, oh, not quite there. so far. So okay, so very close. just a little bit away from being fully featured. Okay, right. so so that's, that's probably quite a good uh, situation for Stern to be in at this stage. Right, they hired a lot of extra software people, so it was about time that we start seeing um, games getting close to this initial or um, um, this this full 1.0.0 um, software uh, versions, I'd say. Um, and there's still uh, quite a few games waiting to get to that level of code, but let's not get in there. What they're doing right now is already quite remarkable, so kudos to Stern for that. Um, mm. Stern also announced Star Trek going back into production as a Vault Edition in both a Pro and Premium model. I guess they can't can't do it in a limited edition version because right. they've, right. it would be limited in that in that case. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if there's a, is a uh, there's not a new Star Wars movie coming out, is there? Um, well, we're talking Star Trek, but that's okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got me. But, I've got the same um, problem. That, so even Steve Ritchie has that problem. Right, getting those so, mixed up. But um, <laughs> no, with Star Trek being a game from uh, 2013, I thought it was um, quite early to do Vault Edition games. Yeah, that's got to be the most recent Vault Edition. And I mean, they, I think they did an, uh, a Vault Edition game for Iron Man uh, a while yep. ago. I have no idea how long that was since they did that game. But um, if you take a look at, for example, at uh, a game like Metallica, I think they ran that for like six years in a row without doing ever a Vault Edition. Yeah, I think it was uh, always on the line, wasn't it? That's the, that's the thing with that game. And... Um, so I was kind of surprised to see that. I mean, if they would be rerunning Star Trek, that's fine. But why would it be a Vault Edition? Right? Um, it's it's only been like five years. So, but I, I wonder. I wonder whether they have a kind of um, un, undeclared rule that um, if it's not the current game by by the designer, it must therefore be a Vault Edition. Could also be that the license expired and that they had to renew it. So it was oh. off the production line for a while because they had no license in place and they renewed it and now they can do make the game again. It's an interesting one though. I wouldn't have thought there'd been a huge demand for uh, for Star Trek 
games at the moment with the with the lack of a new movie coming out. But uh, well, if, if if Stern think there's the demand is there, then uh, they're obviously they're, they're right to uh, to produce produce them as a vault edition and. Right. Um, and that'll be obviously going back to the the DMD versions rather than the. They've already said that they won't won't try and um, LCD the Vault Edition games. They will keep them as LCDs or sorry yeah. LEDs. Frankly, the um, games dis- are going to be identical to the ones that you can buy now on a secondhand market. So if you if you're after a game and you don't want to pay the full price for a new one, then you might be able to find one for less. I guess. <laughs> Probably for that game, but you also remember that um, when Iron Man came out as a vault edition, it had the the metallicized side art, so that was that was a, a bonus for those people who bought the vault. Won't be the case um, in this case. Uh, the press release clearly states that there will be no changes made to the game. Okay, well that's fair enough because you can imagine that um, when Iron Man first came out, it was um, incandescent bulbs as well doing right. the illumination, uh, whereas when Star. Trek came out. It was um, LED'd in the first place. Right. Okay. Um, moving on with Stern, um, mm. the Iron Maiden premium photos were presented last month. Uh, we already had seen um, the Pro and Limited Edition photos, and they are already shipping those games. But the premium we hadn't seen yet. Um, those got out, and they're on Stern's Facebook for anybody to. Uh, if you want to take a look, I think they went further with the uh, Egyptian theme um, eddies and so on. Yes, oh, it's no doubt that that title is absolutely. Uh, I don't want to use the word lush, but it's um, it's fabulous in terms of the artwork. It's so so rich and detailed, and you know, it's just a fantastic job all the way all the way around. So, uh, for, uh, kudos to Stern and uh, and to. Um, uh, Chris Franchi right. for that. He did a, a, a real, really, as you said it in the past, he knocked out the ballpark, and I think he's done it again with the uh, the premium edition. Right. So, and um, I got a chance to play both the LE and the Pro version uh, last weekend at Pinball Universe. Um, I'm impressed with the game, um, but I also see that it is so deep. And there's so much stuff in there. I mean, um, Kirsten, who's working for uh, a Pinball Universe, was explaining mm-hmm. to me how to how to play the game and uh, what you have to uh, how well how to play the game. Let's go with that. And he was already getting into so much detail that I was like, "How is an average player ever going to dis- discover this unless they read a complete manual, which actually Stern put out for the game?" But um, like how to play the game. I mean, there's so much in there and there's so many different levels of things that while it's impressive, it's also quite intimidating, which I'm not sure whether that's a good thing. Oh, I actually agree. Um, and it, it's an interesting discussion because I always thought that I loved games that were had really deep rule sets. You know, my, my um, I guess, um, Desert Island game for a long time was... The Simpsons Pinball Party for, with software by Keith Johnson, right. be, simply because it was so deep and it had so many levels. Uh, but, and this was something I didn't really appreciate at the time. It was actually quite understandable. You know, the, the you could you could just say this is 
the, these are the various routes you need to go through to get to the wizard mode. Right. And they were not that complicated in themselves. But since then, games have got far more complicated, um, including Keystone, you know, with uh, Wizard of Oz and Hobbit. And I've realized I've actually got to the point where it's overwhelming me now, and I don't like games which are so deep and complex that I can never understand the rules. And and like you, I actually walked up to... um, an Iron Maiden game for the first time the other day. Uh, it was actually at Free Gold Watch in San Francisco, and it was a pro model. And I, I kind of took the, you know, the total beginner approach to it and saying, okay, what am I meant to shoot for? And the answer was, I have absolutely no idea. Um, <laughs> and that, that kind of know, bummed me out a bit because I heard such good news about the game and was really looking forward to playing it. And... And I'd, uh, like you, I played the Archer game over at, um, at um, Pinball Museum. Of, uh, Museum. Arcade yeah. Expo. Yes, Arcade Expo, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah with, with Keith and Randy there. And we both thoroughly enjoyed that layout. And I played it as um, Iron Maiden with, with obviously some adjustments and got the feeling that they prob- they probably packed in a couple more shots and narrowed all the existing ones, and it didn't flow as well as I had been anticipating. I, I was seeing a lot of yeah, posts. I have to agree with you on that. The the Archer Whitewood, and maybe because it was a Whitewood, but that game had great flow, and, and also theme-wise, even though I have never ever seen an Archer episode in my life, I could understand the humor of the game, and, and it was funny. I liked the, the, the music in it, so I was very um, impressed with that Archer layout, also especially the layout with the four flippers and the loop within the loop. Um, and for some reason I had got the feeling that uh, that Archer layout got uh, came better to its right than on the current Stern Iron, uh, Iron Maiden game, if it mm. makes any sense. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, as I say, I think, I think maybe they've tried to fit in a couple of extra shots there which weren't in the original and it's narrowed all the existing shots or they sort of uh, overproduced it let's put it like that like like with music productions uh, often is the case yeah yeah um yeah maybe maybe some of the sort of the posts have been fattened out a bit and uh, made it a little more robust it could well be that archer as it as it stood and as we played it was actually impractical to make you know things would have broken off and um, the yeah, posters weren't thick enough, so so in, in actually making it manufacturable, some changes need to be made, and you know that's an an inevitable consequence. But um, yeah, I, I was it was slightly disappointing from that point of view. But looking at the the production, the overall production of of the game, it was undoubtedly very impressive. Yeah. So and. Um Probably not the smart thing to say, but the um, I'm not a fan of Iron Maiden as a band. Um, I have to note that um, I couldn't watch the live streams with the music because it was too much energy and the high <laughs> notes and everything. But when you're actually playing the game, you're not really paying that much attention to the music at all. It's just a blur in the background. Yeah, obviously on location, but this was at a show as well. Um the music's a lot, lot more in the background than, than it would be if, if it's the one and only game. 
that anybody's playing when it's sitting there in, in a lineup of 20 machines or whatever yeah sure. it's going to get drowned out that's true and as and same with the voice calls you know you you struggle to hear what's being told to you which is why you need to have the you know the uh, the inserts flashing and get other cues on the display telling you what it is you need to shoot for I have to say, the the display animations, they really knocked them out of the part. I think those are the best animations we've seen on a Stern game so far. Well, the interesting thing there is that they are, I guess, you know, custom animations for the, for the game. They're not, not putting video clips from a movie as they were with, you know, say, Star Wars, for right. example. Uh, it's more going back to the kind of um, Aerosmith style of having to have to make everything from scratch well and, that was uh, and f- that was their second lcd game and this is now their fourth i think um yeah and yeah. i was um i like the whole style that they used on the on the back glass and um also how they are trying to give the player hints although it has to explain to, to be to you first to understand that those are hints and what they stand for but uh, but I think they're um, I was I was impressed with the LCD package yeah I, I've no no argument there I thought um, that there's obviously a lot of work put into that and it wasn't culling assets from other places they actually really had to, to work at it and uh, they did a good job on it so just they did with all the other artwork in the game and the whole production package so uh, so that was good news but also we saw a um, a preview shall we say of what might be an upcoming game right um, I fin- uh, on Facebook a um, person who calls himself uh, Pimbo Paparazzi leaked um, <clears throat> in between uh, quotation marks, if you want to, um, an image of the Deadpool Whitewood. Now, I have to say, um, I've seen that photo for the first time uh, circulating at uh, Texas Pinball Festival in March already. So uh, I'm surprised it took over two months before <laughs> it got leaked on the internet. Uh, but so I knew that that photo was um, uh, going around, and apparently um, people were speculating whether it's the John Trudeau version of the game, which got scrapped, or the Gomez version of the game. Um, I'm leaning towards this is the Gomez version of the game, um, as it has the first uh, sketch of Zombie Yeti artwork that is supposed to be on the game. Uh, laid out on the playfield. I don't see why you would put that on a playfield that you're not going to manufacture. Agreed. And um, I, I have to first, first of all say that I haven't seen this uh, this picture, but I am aware that Deadpool has been a long time um, mooted license for Stern, and um, I'm guessing now it's going to be Deadpool two. As that movie's out and about now, well, uh, so maybe it'll in, in, incorporate both. Or, don't count or, on that because also with Guardians of the Galaxy, they only incorporated one movie while the second was already out. So that's not a guarantee. True, yeah. Um, so do you want to do you want to give us any information about what exactly is in this photo? For those who haven't seen it, um, I need to get it uh, on my screen. I don't have it up in front of me right now. Give me a second. 
But it's a you're saying it in, includes some some sketch, some outline artwork on right. on it, as well as um, a playfield layout. Right. Hold on, I got it over here. I'm so quick on my computer. You're good. <laughs> you're a king of the internet. <laughs> So now I'm just waiting for it to pop up on my screen. Here you go. So basically what we have, um, uh, there's a big, in the artwork, there's a big Deadpool character and there's a number of other characters. I haven't seen any of the movies, so I have really no idea who they are, but they are in front of the bigger character who's sort of like overpowering everybody else in the background. Um, and this this... Playfield has all red plastics like uh, we used to see on um, Whitewood games. Um, so we got uh, it's based on the comic book version of the game, not on the movie. So oh, yeah, you have your okay. answer. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there is a, um, uh, a Deadpool character standing on a what appears to be a three bank drop target, uh, which is um, sort of in the center of the playfield above the right flipper, slightly off center, but. That, that narrows it down. And it has um, two ramps, which um, uh, one is sort of, um, um, uh, it ends in the right in-lane and it is shaped like uh, a, a sword, which we've seen before. But the interesting uh, shot here is that you can shoot that ramp with the left flipper um, going to the right and then behind the drop target bank that I just described, um, it's guided there with a metal uh, 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 wire gates or, or, or whatever you want to call it. And then it goes up the ramp all the way at the left of the back of the uh, uh, play field and then it comes back sort of like on um, Mustang. Uh, all the way back to the right of the playfield and then into the um, uh, right in lane. That's, uh, that's an interesting shot. Uh, quite a long shot if you have to make it as well, I think, because basically you're zigzagging all over the playfield with the ball to get up to the ramp. Hmm. Um, and then there's, uh, well, there's, uh, I can see three pop bumpers, um, some rollover lanes, there's a couple of figurines and a 3D model of what appears to be a van in the back, probably with a flasher on top. As I haven't seen any of the movies or read the cartoon, I have no idea what that's about, so we'll see. There's also a, um, uh, uh, a smaller ramp on the uh, left that ends in the left in-lane. And, um, and there's an interesting lock mechanism, um, which reminds me a little bit of uh, the getaway, I would say. Um, if you if you remember uh, when you mm -hmm. lock the balls on the getaway and on high speed, maybe that's even more accurate. Um, you shoot the balls from um, they enter at the top of the playfield um, and they they roll down on uh, uh, above the shooter lane. Uh, let's call it like that. And uh, it appears that there is a similar shot like that uh, over there as well. Okay, that's, that's definitely more getaway than high speed because high speed locks them in the left and right wire pop. Right. <coughs> okay. Bless you. Thank you. So okay, so so <coughs> getaway and um, so that's interesting. And once released, the balls are dropped on the uh, the right sword ramp, and then they drop into the um, the uh, the right in lane, a bit similar to. Um, 
other games like uh, I don't know Lord of the Rings or you know typical Gomez. I see. But yeah. it's a, just a, a two flipper game. Though. Yes, as far as I can see, it is a two flipper game. Yes. And a shot to the upper side ramp is is from the left flipper yes. going through a, a lane that feeds it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So that's that's what I can say about that, and then we'll have to see. Um, I actually expect Deadpool. Uh, that's probably a game for. Well, July would probably be too soon, I think, but August probably. Mm. Yeah. Knowing okay. That they, well, we know that they want to do two games in October, and you have to yeah. squeeze Deadpool in between. So. Yeah, I guess maybe they need something to to launch within January. I don't know. That could also be the case, but um, I thought we had Elvira scheduled for January. Well, Elvira seems to be a bit something of a movable project at the moment, depending on... You know, they have got a, a software programmer working on it, which they didn't have before, but who else is working on it? Whether they've got their mechanical engineers and whether they've got um, video engineers as well. Or, oh, sorry, video um, designers and artists working on it, and whether they've got... Um, Everybody else who needs to work, you know, sound designer, for instance, to work on it. Um, we don't know, so that 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 could be that could come sooner or later. Well, I guess right. we just won't know for the moment. Right, but it would be well with the second Deadpool movie being in theaters right now. August would be well, the movie would be out of theaters by August, but um, then it would probably be, become available on streaming services or whatever. So it, Deadpool might still be top of mind with a lot of people. Yeah, Stern have um, shown that they're not that um, worried about the, the timing of the, their movie-themed games. They're happy to to bring them out, you know, weeks, months, um, even years after the actual uh, movie than which they're related to um, comes out. Right. So, okay. Okay. And so, there's still more news regarding Stern Pinball, um, but okay. let's combine that with Chicago Gaming because Stern uh-huh. hired... Doc Score, former vice president uh, in the, by now of uh, Chicago Gaming Company. Yeah, uh, former former div- um, vice president of game development or product development at Chicago. But um, latterly, I think as what November or so, he was yeah. he was moved up to um, vice president of the company. Right. Um, but yeah, so he's moved over to Stern Pinball to to look after their export customers um, although not exclusively he seems to be seems to be employed to work with Gary Stern looking after their export customers not just not uh, having exclusive um, access to or um, responsibility to those guys so very important to mention is that Pinball Magazine had the scoop of this news we reported this five days before Stern sent out their press release a little birdie told me this is what, <laughs> what is very likely going to happen, and you heard it first, or you read it first on uh, Pinball Magazine. I posted it even on Pinside and started a topic about it. And um, indeed, you did. Yeah, yeah, noted. And uh, kudos for getting that. Um, I won't ask you to reveal your sources in this particular instance. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but go on then. Tell us who it was. No, no. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Um, But but the the, the interesting thing is, um, the first, let let me say, um, I have interviewed DocScore for Pinball Magazine number five. 
And uh, this, of course, puts that interview in a whole different uh, situation because I will be publishing an interview with a vice president of Chicago Gaming who is no longer vice president by the time people are reading that. So well, um, are you going to interview him again and, um, and bring him up to date? Or well, there is will it going be, to be, there will be, going to be something which... There. That yeah, it's good. But but you'll still have the interview with him when he was at Chicago Gaming. Yes, because the information that he shared and he had some very good uh, suggestions as well is too good not to publish. Um, so that's a definitely worthwhile read, I think. Um, and I'll probably update it. Um, uh, there's still time to talk to Doug, and uh, well, he just had finished his first week at Stern, so let. Give the man a little break to get accustomed and um, to to get into his new position. But um, I can't help but think that Stern hiring DocScore, who has been a tremendous asset for Chicago gaming in terms of how he handled their customer service and um, uh, attending shows, talking to people, uh, basically being the face of the company... I tend to look at this as sort of a strategic hire, uh, on top of do- uh, aside from Doug's qualities, uh, what he might be doing for Stern. I can see what you're saying. I mean, Doug was, he was, as I said in the Pinball News article about it, I think he spearheaded the whole remake um, program, really. Right. And um, he was the public face of that. He was at the pinball shows, he was at the trade shows. He was the the face of the, the remakes, starting with Medieval Madness and then Attack from Mars, and then moving on to Game Three, uh, which hasn't been officially announced yet. Right. Um, so it makes you wonder exactly what that means for Chicago Gaming and that third and and subsequent titles if if Doug's no longer there, because because Doug was very much a sort of a, he was a, a guy who thrived on 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 innovation and in uh, creating new markets and new products from uh, an existing company having worked at Wurlitzer and various other companies in the past uh, he was he was somebody who liked to breathe new life into companies which may may have looked a little tired or were looking for a new direction in which to move um so and with him no longer at Chicago gaming um I don't know what that means for remake number four and and, and subsequent ones after that. I don't know either. Um, all I know is that um, obviously uh, uh, Chicago Gaming hired someone to um, take over Doug's position, although I doubt they would be made vice president immediately, uh, but at least to take over uh, the work that he used to be doing. But uh, it was very clear that they might need to hire two or three people to fill Doug's core shoes. And um, they might need some time to 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 find the right people to do that. You know, I mean, uh, Doug was a very hands-on uh, guy. He, um, he, he put a lot of heart and soul into the company. Um, so we'll see how they, um, how they manage. Um, I'm not sure whether this will affect... The announcement of remake number three, I think the delay is being caused by different um, uh, um, things going on or not going on in the sense that they're not 
progressing as fast as they maybe uh, wanted to. And um, uh, like I said, um, to me it felt like uh, a strategic hire from Stern, uh, who is known not to be that keen on any competition who are doing too well in their eyes. Um, that being said, obviously they made Dog an offer and then he went to talk to uh, Doc Duba, the vice president or the president of Chicago Gaming. Um, he could have made a counter offer and Doc could have stayed, but he chose not to. Or maybe they didn't make a counter offer, I don't know. Mm. But yeah, it's great. But you can see that, that, that Doug's score is very much somebody who likes to pioneer new ventures and new ways of um, developing the, the product or the business. And maybe by the time he got to game three of the remake, he was you know, looking for new avenues in which to ex um, apply his talents. And maybe Stern came up with an idea of exactly how he could do that. And maybe maybe Stern are looking at pushing their their marketing into another area, and Doug would be ideal for that. Um, although he does seem to have been hired into doing export business, right. which doesn't sound that exciting in itself. But maybe well, there's a good potential there. The way I understood it, it's um, Gary Stern is now over seventy. And he's getting a bit fed up with going to all the international shows. So in time, Stern is looking to uh, send Doug instead of Gary. And Gary might want to do some fishing on his boat or whatever. <laughs> Although, personally, I don't see Gary taking it easier. Um, Absolutely not. I'd say Gary uh, lives and breathes going to these pinball shows. He, he loves meeting all the customers and uh, and traveling around the world and uh, having wine and dined and and being the face of stern pinball across the across the planet um so so that did make you wonder exactly how how doug and and he are going to divide up those responsibilities but we'll see i'm sure they're capable of working it out between themselves yeah and they got time to do that i mean gary's still there and in uh, in good mm. health as far as i know so uh, for a while, they will be going to shows together, and at some point, then Gary might say, "Like, ah, you did this one on your own, or something like that." Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, an increased presence you know, at um, at um, overseas shows, with them them sharing the, the the duties. Right, that could also be the case. So, now speaking of. Um, well, that, okay, I was trying to make a bridge <laughs> to another show. But, oh, you're so um, good at segueing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was going to say, um, uh, speaking of shows, there is, there was the uh, licensing show in Chicago, and from there it's an easy bridge to Spooky Pinball, uh, who attended the licensing show, and they oh, sort in, of... in Las Vegas, wasn't it? Oh, not, not sorry, Chicago. Las Vegas, yes. Um, yes. So confused. Um, but apparently they secured a license for a new upcoming game. Yeah, Spooky seemed to have um, lots of ideas and lots of projects in the pipeline um, because um, obviously they, they've they got a, you know, I would say a backlog, but they've got a, a large order book Right. With existing games from Alice Cooper and Total Nuclear Annihilation. Which I'm happy to say my game arrived. You've I, got yours. I got Just one. Total Nuclear Annihilation, yes. 
You, you were looking at buying more than one, though, weren't you? Yes, um, and I still might. Um, the plan is to operate my game. Um, and so far, I have not even taken it out of the box because I've been <gasps> busy with other things. But it's here. It's in good condition. And um, I was able to play uh, a Total Nuclear Annihilation at Pinball Universe this weekend. So I got my, uh, I got my kick there. That Sorry, you actually went went totally dead on me for a while there. I, um, I got as far as you are. You were able to play, and then I didn't hear any more. I was able to play the game at um, uh, Pinball Universe this week. Ah, of so, course, yes. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah. so I got my kick there. And um, but speaking of uh, Scott Denise's total nuclear annihilation, see, I can do this. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Yeah. Scott uh, di uh, did announce a uh, game code update for uh, Total Nuclear Annihilation, which included another feature, uh, speedruns, if I'm not mistaken, um, which okay. basically means that you have to finish uh, each reactor as fast as possible as you can, even including uh, 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 cancelling... Um, the, the animations on the display uh, uh, when you start up a reactor and mm -hmm. up both flippers and continue playing because the timer is running and the quicker Very you good. do it. So that that's uh, interesting. Well, well, let me then segue into, or back to, the Golden State Pinball Festival where the uh, Spooky Pinball team were were holding a Pinball, uh, pinball University, or PinU, talk uh, talking mostly about Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, but um, Charlie, who was there, um, along with Katie and, and Bug and um, Squirrel, uh, they were, um, Charlie did say, announced, that he was working with Scott Denisi on a second title. No details exactly of what that is, or any theme, but the fact the two of them are now working together and they're following they're doing a a, se or not a, follow, a sequel but a follow up a second game to total nuclear annihilation um was was very well received at the show and um produced a lot of excitement i can imagine well scott did, did deliver a great game um and uh, i can uh, i'm very curious to see what he will come up with next um although it is uh, oh, apparently it's always difficult if you did your first game to come up with a second game because usually you put your best ideas in that first game and then what are you going to do next? Well, that's always the case with any new designers and obviously something which um, Keith will have to uh, just deal with as the follow-up to Iron Maiden. Right. But we'll, we'll see what happens there. But um, Well, he's got time. Sure. There's plenty of titles in the pipeline for Stern, so he's got this time... Uh, that, that will work out. And like you said, there's a huge backlog of games to manufacture at Spooky, so Scott can take his time too, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see whether they keep going down the um, the um, multimorphic um, um, operating system. Yes. Yeah, uh, rather than um, going to, to their own dedicated system. Yeah. Well, with... Um, I saw on uh, Scott's Facebook that he's already programming sounds for uh, the new game. And uh, since Scott is very keen on working with um, uh, Multimorphic P3... Oh, P-Rock, yes. Uh, that uh, tends to tell me 
that this is likely to go to be a P-Rock uh, system game as well. Yeah, so it would certainly make a lot of sense. It's, it's very, once they've, they don't want to end up with a whole, you know, plethora of different types of um, operating system hardware under under the bonnet for their games. Uh, they, they've done the, the pin hex system, they're now on the P-Rock system, you want to stick that with that route. It's, it's certainly manageable with the sort of numbers they're talking about, you know, the 500, the sub-thousand numbers. Right to to go with the P rock or P three rock. Um, once it goes far beyond that, then yes, it would make sense to go to something more bespoke, and which they have total ownership. But yeah, it's um, and Scott is also, of course, very very well versed in in programming P rock games, so it makes sense for him to carry on doing that. Right. So. Um um, well, good luck to uh, to Scott and Charlie. To absolutely, um, yeah. For yeah that, they, um, they seem to be doing things in a, in a very manageable and controlled and and uh, scalable way. Right. So um, then there is uh, speaking of P P three or P rock driven games. Um, let's go to Dutch pinball. Mm, because yes. is also a um, P-Rock driven game. Um, there was some news from Dutch Pinball um, regarding their uh, uh, current status in the sense that, um, as people may know, Dutch Pinball had a Dutch contract manufacturer and they got a falling out over a disagreement on what price uh, their games should be manufactured. Contract manufacturer told them that uh, they needed more money and that wasn't agreed upon. They tried to find a way to collaborate and then uh, while they agreed on a, a new deal, apparently their contract manufacturer didn't apply any of the changes uh, into the production of speeding of the process and um, uh, getting games done for a certain date. And as a result, basically Dutch Pinball walked away leaving their contract manufacturer with a bunch of parts and uh, about 40 finished games. Um, and they've now been sued by their former contract manufacturer. So this is, this is Aura, just to be yes, clear. Yes, yep. Aura. And mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of uh, speculation going on uh, online in, uh, on, on Pinside, which we won't get into. Uh, but the the... I guess the sad news is because that this court case was coming, I, I can't see that as a surprise. Everybody knew at some point they would. It was just a matter of when. We didn't know when. Um, but the interesting thing is that as a result, the scheduled production at Zytec, which was about to begin this month, has been put on hold as well. Right, and that's been put on hold by... Well, that's Dutch the or Zytec or... I'd say both parties are yeah, probably... Agreed to put it on hold. Yes. Um, obviously, the Zytec may... Uh, well, if they would be investing in, in ordering parts for games and worst case scenario, Ara wins the court case in God knows how many time from now, but that could take uh, uh, quite a while. Um, it could mean 
although I doubt it, that ARA would have to cease production and they might end up being stuck with a bunch of parts that they can't use. Um, so I can see Zytex ex uh, uh, not being very eager on that scenario. And, um, well, Dutch Pinball may have their own reasons why they say, like, okay, let's focus on the court case and not worry about production at the moment. But at the same time, you also have your early achievers to um, make happy at some point. So I just hope that uh, there will be a solution in which Dutch Pinball can start manufacturing games because as long as they don't manufacture games, I don't see the um, ending in a good way. No, I agree. I think, um, although I, I hate the whole idea of, of setting up all these different companies to deal with different parts of, of the business, in some ways you could see it would make sense for Dutch Pinball to have a a manufacturing company and a marketing company or a um, yeah, the marketing company which takes the deposits and the manufacturing company which actually produces the games and sells them back. Almost like, dare I say it, Pinball Brothers or uh, pin, um, Highway Pinball Sales and Highway Pinball, you know, it gives that degree of separation that if the the company is sued, a company is sued by a previous manufacturer, then they can they can move them and move that contract over to uh, the other company, or the other company can already or own it from the outset, and they can carry on making the game elsewhere without the threat of being sued, uh, which is exactly the situation they seem to got themselves into. Dutch Pinball can be sued by ARA, and that puts a hold on everything, whereas if there was Dutch Pinball had contracted ARA, that was there was also a lot of like Dutch Pinball Manufacturing who were working with Zytec to produce the games. That would be totally separate, and they could carry on with that in the background and get the games out to all those buyers and the early achievers and the distributors who all of them regardless of the, what had gone on in the early uh, early stages of, the, of their business. But I don't know Dutch law, and I'm sure it's very complex and not quite, not anywhere near as simple as, as I'm making out. But um, sometimes having that degree of separation between different parts of the business is a good idea, well, and this might, might be one of those cases. Let's hope it's uh, not too late to get in such a uh, scenario. And... Um um, yes, if they could separate the the, um, uh, the manufacturing with Cytec from the manufacturing uh, with ARA, then hopefully that will um, result in games going into production. Which well, there's is, no reason uh, it shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah. actually, and I, the, the only way I see Dutch Pinball um, uh, being able to continue is actually by... by manufacturing games and starting to deliver them and they might not um, deliver once they get production going they might start delivering games to uh, coin taker uh, first but i'm pretty sure that if they discuss that with their early achievers um, that's probably something that everybody can live with um, as long as that increases their chances of getting a game instead of getting no game i agree uh, but that degree of separation between the businesses is is also vital in this case if 
there's a court case going on, and that court case is going to suck up a lot of time, effort, and more importantly, money in paying for lawyers to defend um, the case. And you can understand why Zytec would, would look at that and go, there's a whole storm going on over there with with Ara and Dutch and no, that's gonna that's an unknown quantity. We don't know exactly how long that's gonna go on, how much money it's gonna take. We don't really want to go ahead with our part of the business dealing with the same company. Right. While they're distracted doing that. So let's just you know, step back, wait for all that to blow over, and if it takes too long, maybe we'll just you know, call it quits and Oh, then we got the different problem. Because then we well, yeah. <laughs> then we're back at zero. <laughs> We are potentially, yeah. Which is another reason for, you know, as I say, for keeping these things compartmentalized, as I think is a, is a phrase, or siloed. Where if you're going to sue a company, you only sue the company that you were dealing with. You can't sue other companies which might be associated with the main company, but who are doing other things. Right. So if, if Dutch Pinball Two was dealing with Zytec and Dutch Pinball was dealing with Ara. They can the, the, those two can sue each other, and the other half can carry on right. and produce Lebowski so games to get them Dutch, out there. If Dutch Pimble is listening, here's your free advice for Martin von Pimble <laughs> News. <laughs> well, I have a lot more in, a, lot, a lot more suggestions than that, but uh, I'm sure they. To see they can. fees call <laughs> Pimble Magazine, I'll be happy to act as a manager for Martin and you. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sure they've investigated every option and I'm um, not telling them anything they don't really know and uh, have looked so, into. But, smart um, guys. So uh, um, some people think uh, this is a dead horse by now. Personally, I think there are still options and it could still become a success, but I think the time to act is now. Yes, I agree. It's a, it's a, it's a fun game. It's a great license. There's, um, there's there's a, a lot, lot there. For it. There's a lot there that that can be salvaged, and it would be so tragic if if it if it never actually came to to fruition, and in the way that and uh, fulfilled the potential that the, the whole thing has, because a lot of people put a lot of effort into that game, and it shouldn't fail on the basis of just being manufactured. When so much is you know, it's basically there, ready to be made. They just need somebody to make it. And sell it, and uh, and people are willing to sell it. People are very happy to sell it, but you need to have the games there, and that's that's the second point. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, moving along, um, since we have a Chinese connection, let's discuss briefly <laughs> Homepin, who is Australia-based but have their own factory in China and um, not as close as you'd like them to be with SciTech because that's a two and a half hour flight so that's quite the other end of the country or um, well quite far away but mm -hmm. um, as we mentioned uh, last month they started um, the production process of um, Thunderbirds ago yeah exactly and um, I think I had the scoop as well to announce that um, earlier last month, Homepin got a second factory in which they are now doing all their woodwork. 
they were doing that first in one building, but with all the sawdust and everything, you don't want that really around mm. everything else you do in the production of or manufacturing of games. Um, so they waited as long as they could because apparently rental prices are ridiculous in China. Um, but they basically needed the space, so they got a second space, which is only a few blocks away, I think maybe like a, a, a mile and a half from uh, the, uh, the other factory. And they're doing all their playfield cutting and um, uh, cabinet cutting and all that. Uh, they're doing that over there. Okay, so they have a woodworking um, operation not too far away from their actual assembly operation. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's probably time for me to actually admit as to where I am at this particular time because it's, it's going to become relevant Are you in, in this China? story. Because well, I, I, I'm not, but it feels like I might as well be given the time difference right. between where you are and where I am. Right. And we have, we, you know, between us, we have an we have a nine hour time difference from uh, from you in in the Netherlands and me over here in Seattle. Um, I should say that um, I just arrived in Seattle, literally. Oh God, I don't know. I was going to say what time it is now. I'm looking at the clock on my PC, and it's it's back in UK time. So even that doesn't work. Right. So let's say about uh, five hours ago. Now, um, yes, I arrived here in Seattle for the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show, which is a great show. It is indeed. Well, hopefully, it's going to be great this year as well. And um, so basically, I just drove straight to the hotel. Went out for a slot of lunch, came back, set up my laptop, and um, and here we are doing this podcast right now. Right. So, so I've got a great uh, place for you to uh, to go to eat. <laughs> oh, please tell me. Wow, we've been there before. I think it's called the Ranch. Oh wow! Okay, well that sounds great. Yeah, tell me all about it. Uh, hope you like music when you're dining. Well, music, but obviously not line dancing. I mean, that's, that's how you could draw the line somewhere, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, fortunately, fortunately, that's in Tacoma. So, um, uh, but yes, the point being about me being in Seattle is that um, we are expecting to have a Thunderbirds A Go machine here on the Nitro pinball stand um, at the show which will be my first time seeing a, a finished game um, and playing it. And um, That's good, a, little, uh, a little later in the year, shall I say, in August yes. in the UK. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> my, yes, I'm going to the wonderful of... town of Daventry in the, uh, in the Midlands, which is where Mike from Home Pim will be visiting and showing um, Thunderbirds a go and giving a talk about it as well at the UK Pinfest show at the Mercure Daventry Court Hotel um, in in Daventry. How many uh, times does that hotel change names? Uh, it's um, Maybe it's one of those things about uh, siloing different parts of the business that... that uh, that you don't want to get sued every time. Um, but, okay. but anyway, uh, but it's it, it the used third, to, third name for the same hotel. Probably, I, yes. as, as yes. long as I know it. But okay, I, I agree. It's um, it's the same hotel though. At the end of the day, and we are uh, we uh, there's a whole new show, um, the whole new national UK pinball show called UK Pin Fest, 
which is run by Phil, who's um, run NERG, which is the Northeast Retro Gaming Show, uh, over the past few years, and uh, basically taken over the UK show, and which will also be home while I'm mentioning it for the UK Pinball Open, which I am working to uh, organise with Peter Blakemore from Special When Lit. Um, but so we're still working on details on that. But um, anyway, Mike will be there. He will be bringing a um, a Thunderbirds Argo, and he will be talking about it in a seminar. Excellent. But Thunderbirds Argo will also be here in Seattle this weekend, um, and I will get a chance to play it here, hopefully. Is Mike also going to be there? Because I know I he's don't think been... Mike. I don't think he is. I don't think Mike's planning to be here. I think Tommy's going to be doing the, uh, the representation for okay. Home Pin. Um, I think actually so, Mike is uh, caught up in Hong Kong right now because there is a uh, IAPA show going on with uh, I know Jack from uh, Jersey Jack Pimble went there. Um, some people from Pimble Universe are present over there, and um, probably some others as well. So, yeah. uh, so that's a sort of conflicting event that that might prevent Mike from attending that show. But okay, we'll get to you. At least you get the chance to play the game. And I'm sure that you'll write your regular show report on it so people can visit pinballnews.com uh, if they want to find out what you think of the game. Yes, I should be doing... Um, I already did the same kind of thing I did for the uh, Golden State show and do a sort of daily review uh, from the setup and uh, each day of the event. But um, it's worth also pointing out, and to be fair to the other shows that are also taking place this weekend... That there's the um, Rocky Mountain Pinball Showdown taking right. place in Denver, and the Southern, the Southern Fried Game Room Expo down in Georgia are right. also taking place. So it's a very busy weekend this this weekend in the U.S. for pinball shows. Um, not really the greatest thing, although I don't know how many people would would want to attend more than one of those. But the good news is that next year. The uh, the Northwest Pinball Show is moving to back to its original date, which is the week before, uh, which means that there won't be that same clash. And I don't know whether the, the uh, Rocky Mountain and the Southern Pride will be on the same weekend. They probably will. But at least the Northwest Pinball Show will be the weekend before right. so uh, 2019. Be, right. So that could be a two-weekend trip next year then. That's my plan. Without uh, getting into too many details, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Right. Okay. So, um, as far as manufacturers go, uh, I just mentioned Jack from Jersey Jack Pinball. There's not that much mm. news actually on Jersey Jack Pinball at the moment, other than that um, they're still uh, working on pirates. And Dialed In is doing actually pretty well on the production line in the sense that they are uh, selling a lot of those games, which is a good thing because it's a very good game. And I'm glad that people finally discovered it. Um, yes, I was I was due to do a, uh, a sort of fireside chat with Jack um, last week, uh, two weeks ago, at the Golden State Show. But unfortunately, he had um, family commitments which prevented that happening. But uh, but Butch Peel and I had a little chat on stage as well about um, the goings on at uh, um, Jersey Jack. And, and what can you tell us? Well, there's a lot to say. I don't know how much I can go into it. Um, obviously, it was a slightly different dynamic as um, I was really looking to ask Jack about the financial background to his company 
um, and how having investors in the company changes all that. And with the background to what happened at Highway Pinball in a, in a couple of weeks earlier, so that was slightly different. Um, I couldn't get into that with with Butch, but we did get into the sort of the 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 way that the company works being split across multiple different um, areas and time zones with having the manufacturing facilities in Lakewood, the Illinois campus, having David Teal doing sound in Seattle and having JP doing the uh, the artwork and graphics in uh, in the Netherlands. So uh, that was an interesting talk. Uh, anyway, go to Pinball Speaking News. Speaking of which... Um, David Thiel was a special guest at Pinball Universe last weekend. Um, Martin Wiestroff, the uh, German uh, uh, Pinball Association, brought him over. And um, I think David mentioned in his uh, hours and hours of talking, because he was the only guest, so somebody had to fill all seven hours. David's <laughs> <laughs> um, up to it. Yeah. Um, but he, I think David mentioned that he's almost done with uh, the music for Pirates. And after that, he's off to Deep Root, where he's been hired and he will be there for three years. So uh, Pirates of the Caribbean will be David Thiel's last Jersey Jack pinball game uh, for at least the next coming three years. Right. So he's working for Deep Root exclusively? Um, apparently, yes. Uh-huh. That obviously leaves a bit of a bit of a gap at uh, JGP to find uh, someone to to write uh, the music and create the effects for for their titles. Right. So if you are a music producer and if you feel like you can do music, hang on, that's pinball, you. You always wanted to do that. I hear there's an opening at Jersey Jack Pinball. It's becoming a bit of a crowded market or crowded. Um, business out there and I'm not sure uh, there are enough, enough nip people in the in the business to do that are there now it's time to bring back Chris Granner ah, I'm sure he's uh, he's always willing to uh, to work on a uh, on a Pat Lawler title anyway right so so who knows yeah apparently, Could... apparently Pat's got a couple of games coming up so uh, let's see how that works out right so, and speaking of, um, what I understood is that Pat is now also um, heading the uh, Chicago department um, of Jersey Jack. Um, that could be interesting, let's put it like that. Um, Pat being sort of like managing Keith and um, Eric Meunier. Um, so let's see how that works out as well. Mm, yeah, that would be an interesting situation up there. Let's hope it uh, all goes smoothly. I hope so. And, mm. um, so, talking of things going smoothly, right? tell us about the progress on uh, Pinball Magazine number five, the, well, the Way 9's edition, because obviously you have a you have a, have a deadline approaching, really, don't you? With uh, do. a certain and birthday coming up. Yes, I know, I know, I know, and <laughs> it's like the um, the the devil is playing with it. Um, I am working on the magazine. I'd say I have finished about uh, I'd say a third to fifty percent of the layout of the uh, of the articles. However. Um, whenever you're not needing this, um, 
basically, I got a, a remix opportunity for a uh, track that I've been looking to remix for like 15 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and I was inspired. I got the okay. They sent me the parts and I was like, I... I gotta do this, and they. I asked, like, so when is this due? And they said, mm-hmm. second week of June. I said, great, <laughs> like I don't have enough on my plate already. <laughs> so the good news is that remix is done, and <laughs> that remix is being approved, and they, they 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 love it. And then they were like, can you do a dub version? So I still got to finish the dub version, but that's basically taking out some parts of the uh, of the remix that I did, and um, so that's that's good because this will be an official release on an, uh, my first release on an American label, which is actually uh, something I'm very happy about. Um, should be out hopefully at the, by the end of June, something like that. So um, that got me at least um, subtracted for. Um, I'd say a week or so Um, and then um, well you're not going to believe this but basically the the building where I'm living in is being sold under very shady circumstances and there's all sort of um, uh, people who are living here protesting and uh, we're uniting and trying to stop uh, the building being sold because uh, the way this all is going down and the way we have been informed is completely against any regulations and all that kind of stuff. So that's taking up a lot of time as well, and it's not something that I look uh, that I'm happy about, of course. Um, of course, but it's not something I can ignore right now because if this sale went uh, goes on, I might be facing a thirty percent rent increase, and that's something I'm definitely not looking for. Yes, but apart from you being homeless and also missing out on the opportunity to be a world-famous um, pop star, where's Pinball Magazine number five? It's uh, still a work in progress, and um, I'll be, I'm working on it right now. Um, as soon as we get this podcast done, I'm back on, on Pinball Magazine number five, working on the podcast. Um, the um, Santiago Chufo edited a lot of images for me last week, so all that is set in place. It's just doing the layout, and then it's off to the printer. And then, interestingly enough, uh, I got the suggestion from um, Pimbo Universe, who said, "Like, well, it's great that you do these." massive magazines with like 300 pages a very deep cover story how about doing a um, a side magazine which is more like a mini zine that people can buy under 10 euros because that would be easier to sell to them than a magazine that costs like 25 huh right and do they do they sell people magazine at the moment they do sell Pimble Magazine, but apparently they run into a lot of people saying, like, what, 25 or whatever they ask for it, uh, euro for a magazine. Um, I, can un- I-, I can see why people think that's a lot for a magazine, although it's more like a book. Um, I'd heard that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> But the idea was, okay, so can I take a part of the cover story and and do like an 80-page magazine and uh, so people can get that for... for, So so a pinball magazine light, 
then. So, yeah, something like that. Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to talk to some more people about that, but it could be something that I might be considering down the road. Um, mm. But it's interesting. So that's also something to to that's that's in the back of my mind. Um, but for this cover story, it would be a pity to split it up over three issues or something like that. Because oh yeah, I the idea of Pinball Magazine was to be the one stop if you want to know something about a certain uh, topic. In this case, Wayne Nye. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like the the, the definitive um, story, isn't it? Yes. Okay, but are you going to get it out in time for his birthday? I'm That's the really question. trying, and I hope so. It's July 29th. Um, we're now at the beginning of June. I well, hope so. I almost feel guilty about continuing this podcast for much longer on the basis that it might lead to you not getting it out in time. <laughs> yeah, so... Oh. I was talking to Wayne, interestingly enough, uh, earlier this week. Um, I got a very nice, uh, I'm not sure whether it's a scoop, but one of the great things that I would like to mention is uh, Wayne had a sketchbook all the time that he was working at Gottlieb, or at least when he was designing. And that sketchbook Mm -hmm. is uh, no longer in his possession, but it's currently owned by Rob Burke. I had asked Rob Burke... Would you be willing to scan some pages of that and see if there's um, that, that I can use that to illustrate the cover story? And Rob said, "Well, there's a note in the sketchbook that says that there's should not be any publications." I called Wayne. <laughs> I explained the situation, and Wayne was like, "Sure, what do I care? Go ahead and and see if there's anything you can use." So Rob. Uh, I sent Rob a list of games I was hoping that would be in there because I have no idea what's in there. And um, interestingly enough, um, he came back to me with uh, sketches for three games, one which includes the um, Ricochet Whitewood. Now, that's a game that Gottlieb never made. Mm -hmm. Well, they made one or two um, but here's all the details and the sketches, and that's, I find that very, very interesting because Wayne doesn't even remember making the game and finding the sketches in his uh, sketchbook basically proved that he actually did design that game, although he thought he didn't. <laughs> well, I guess when you've designed as many games as he has, it's very difficult to keep track of all of them. Yeah, but it's funny to discover uh, such facts like 64 years after... Today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and I also discussed with him because Wayne was like, "You better hurry up! I'm almost 100 now." <laughs> and I said, "That's true, but it's not like you're going anywhere no. once you're 100." So I'd love to have it out there um, uh, by the time of his birthday, and um, I'm I'm doing my utter best. But if if the building where you're living in is uh, being sold to a shady partner, and uh, sure, you know that uh, I gotta pay attention to that. So, and, and on the plus side, if if it comes out after his hundredth birthday, you'll be able to include some details of the celebrations that took place for his hundredth birthday. And I know um, that the Pacific Pinball Museum, in particular, are planning to do things to celebrate that um, and going down to his place in uh, Mountain. Is it Mountain Home? Yes, in Arkansas. Mountain Home, Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so that would be a nice inclusion if it, it ends up taking place. It you know, be publications nice, afterwards. 
Yes, it would be very nice to include that. Although I'd rather have the magazine out. I might see. Of course, if I, yes. I might see if I can. Um, depending on how far I get, I might see if I can maybe print up a single copy um, exclusively for Wayne while I'm still working on some side articles or whatever, and mm. ship that over. So at least he yeah. knows what's coming. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, be a nice presentation for him for his for his birthday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so that's the progress on the magazine number five. Right. Uh, do we have, uh, what else have we got? Oh, there's a little bit about American Pinball having a French di- distributor. Yes. Do you know anything about that? Well, um, well, actually, they got, I think they got two new distributors. Oh, uh, because, yes, you're uh, right. M- Mr. Pinball Australia is now also a distributor for American so that's Pinball. That's Wayne, yes. Yes, and Speakerbong's Pinball something. Speakerbong's Pinball Paradise? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, um, which is uh, uh, owned by uh, uh, Michael, very nice guy. Um, so congratulations to uh, uh, both Wayne and Michael for um, uh, landing that distributorship, um, and hopefully uh, they'll sell a lot of games, uh, which is also, of course, in the interest of American Pinball. Um, there's not much news on their supposed to be second title Oktoberfest. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's, it could be that there was an update for uh, Houdini. I'm not even keeping track at that moment. Um, so, uh, so you you'd think, given the timing, that it would be great for them to announce their their October Fest title in uh, People Expo, which takes place in uh, oh October. Oh, what a, what a timing! <laughs> um, but hmm. you have to realise that Oktoberfest usually is held in September. Yes, well, that's, well yeah, it goes into into October, just. Right. But yes, yeah. But um, I'm sure that, that may be the case for the original. But um, when it comes to American markets, um, Oktoberfest is that's the time the Oktoberfest beers come out is in October, okay. not in September. So that would that would kind of work. But. Uh, Oh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe they, they don't want to tie game, it. I would be surprised if they had them in production at that time. Yeah, well, agreed. Um, but it's, that's that's one of the uh, one of the risks was having a title like that, isn't it? Yeah. Well, um, maybe they can receive it to Christmas fest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make it seasonal, or make maybe it could be sort of like you know um, Stern Pinball did with. Lethal Weapon Three, where they brought out a whole range of another titles, which or no one-off games or uh, bespoke or custom titles, which were all based around the same playfield layout, which just oh. rethemed artwork. Not like not like NFL with fifty different translates. Uh. <laughs> well, that was Striker Extreme, of course, which was rethemed yeah. to the NFL ones. But yes, but yeah, but um, thinking of things like Michael Jordan, um, you know, yeah. The, so. And and air and spelling and things like that, which uh, which were uh, custom games. Well, but, I think Oktoberfest uh, as a it's probably going to be a beer and bratwurst game. Um, that could probably work all year long. Um, what's not to like about beer and bratwurst? I mean, well, yes, and Oktoberfest beers are available. In, in, no, not just in October. They tend to tend to expand out a bit. You know, like like summer and winter ales and things like that. So. Uh, Here's another so, yeah. idea to name the game. If Oktoberfest is too seasonal and it's all about beer and bratwurst, how about you call it Sausage Fest? <laughs> I think you're changing the theme radically in that case. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a thought. 
it, it's um, it's certainly a thought. Yes, um, let's um, let's leave listeners to to work out exactly what that would look like themselves. <laughs> 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 okay, so uh, on that uh, rather dubious note, uh, I think we've covered uh, most of the uh, events by the, by the main manufacturers. Right, this so there year. is oh, this one month, topic we say. didn't address, sorry for interrupting. Um, no, no. On a rather we serious don't. note, um, mm. you mentioned that um, uh, former pinball designer John Trudeau has been charged with new chargers. Yes, I mean, to be honest, I don't take any pleasure in reporting any of this um okay then but we don't. yeah um all I, let's let's not let's not let's not bring this down too much and just say if you want to find out the details it's on the pimple news front page um and you know, I've, I've been updating the report on on his initial arrest um seven times now it's been updated um but there's now a, uh, some new charges um relating to to a, a different set of events and yeah let's not let's not get too bogged down in that um right. you know where to find the details if you want to right okay so uh well that was a great way to kill the mood <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> on, on the bus side um a similar theme um, on the Pinball News site. There's um, some good news about a bunch of machines are up for sale and potentially very good prices. Uh, oh. If you're in the California area, the Pacific Pinball Museum are selling off uh, some of their surplus uh, duplicate titles. Um, they've got over 1,300 machines, or around about 1,300 machines, I should say, um, of which they have around about 900 odd um, unique titles, which means they have a bunch of duplicates. So they are looking to raise funds to expand their operation and um, well, and move to new operation, but well, well, to to move into larger premises with their uh, their fixed uh, museum because at the moment they only have around about ninety machines on on permanent display right. uh, in the in Alameda um, location. They they were looking at getting the um, the Carnegie Library in also in Alameda. Yeah, that's like a player but, without the end. But that that actually isn't even big enough in itself to to display what they want to display. So they've abandoned that and are now looking at are getting somewhere more realistic, more affordable, but larger, where they can show a much larger proportion of them of their their machines. And um, to do that, they're looking to raise more funds by selling off uh, around about 130. Of their duplicate surplus machines, which uh, will be taking place, uh, I think it's this month, later this month. Yeah, I think uh, around the twenty-third, something like that. Right. Yeah, that's earnings a bill. And um, now I know pinball prices have gone a bit crazy of late, but looking at some of the prices of these machines, it seemed quite reasonable yeah, for me. Okay, you're breaking up a bit. Sorry, as let's say that again. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the condition of any of the machines on the uh, in the auction or the, not auction. There's there's for sale. You know, you, they all have fixed prices. If you make and you know, if you go there and you're first to to buy it, then you you buy the machines. But they're all graded according to their conditions. Some one or two, very few. I think one or two, literally, are just either a body or a head. But the rest varies from 
from poor to fair to reasonable to good to very good. And uh, the prices to me at least seem uh, pretty attractive if you're in the market for that kind of game. And they do go from um, largely EM games, but there are also some solid-state games there as well, some alphanumerics as well. Um, So... Yeah, if you have a uh, F-14 Tomcat listed for $1,400, um, that seems to be quite affordable. Yeah, and the, the cocktail games as well, things like, uh, was it Night Moves or or games like that, which were you know, literally for like 500 bucks and uh, in, in good condition. So, you know, some good deals there to be had. I hope they actually go to people who who actually want them and, and will include them in a collection, not the people who are going to resell them, try and make a, a quick buck. On them, right. so. and all proceeds to the museum to uh, to, ex- to uh, support their their operation and try and expand and get them into a bigger home. So right. it's all it's all good. So okay, um, I guess this concludes this episode of the uh, Pinball Magazine and Pinball News audio podcast uh, for recapping uh, the most important pinball industry events of. May 2018. Um, we'll be back early next month with a recap of June. Anything else yeah. you'd like to add? Oh, no, there's a lot going on. Obviously, um, I'm here in Seattle for a show. Um, there are other shows going on around the country, and there's a, there'll be a lot of lot of events going on, a lot of announcements, a lot of uh, excitement, and some some. Uh, uh, some, uh, some excitement and some exciting events taking place. And uh, so June's going to be a really action-packed month to look back on um, in, a, in a few weeks' time and, and recap what, exactly what's been going on. And right. uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, um, well, I wish you a uh, very pleasant Northwest Pinball and Arcade show. <laughs> Thank you very much. I wish I could be there, but I got a magazine to finish. Oh. Yeah, well, you're doing good work over there, and uh, between us, I'm sure we'll cover everything. Right. So, uh, well, I'm glad you're there. Um, hopefully, they will be streaming their uh, seminars again, like they did in previous years. I'm certainly counting on it, because I'm not planning on recording them, so <laughs> hopefully they will be. But I'll, I will be there to take pictures and report on them all, and I'm planning to be uh, updating stuff live over the weekend. Okay, um, so um, so that's a uh, roundup for uh, uh, the recap of May, and we'll be back next month. Okay, I look forward to to, uh, talking to you then. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.